We've been really working on this evangelism um, core message, and we'll be preaching on this for like the next uh, 11 weeks or so um, because it's so important. It's a part of who we are. It's a part of the call on our house and on our lives as Christians. And, um, you know, I used to be of the mindset when I was younger, like, you know, I, I feel called to the church, not to the lost, you know, and I would be like, well, you know, I'll just help the church. And God, you, you have pick a few people that you can go and help evangelize. And then I realized that this call is to all believers. <laughs> and I can't just kind of compartmentalize what I, what I want to be called to and what I don't want to be called to. We're all called to evangelize. We're all called to uh, experience the presence of God. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit of God resides in them? You're like a carrying temple, a carrying ark of God. You, like God, when you believe in Jesus Christ and you accept him as your Lord and Savior, you've surrendered your life to him. says if you've accepted the spirit of Christ, if you accept the Christ, you have the spirit of Christ. And God is in you. And now you are carriers of this temple. And so you are experiencing his presence. And, and, and that's our core value. Our core value is his presence. Another core value is prayer. To, to be able to believe that God hears our prayers and that he considers our prayers and that our prayers change things because he's a personal God and he loves you and he cares about you. That's why we were singing about Jehovah Jireh and then, and then uh, Josh felt this morning that God wanted to remind you that he's your provider and that he cares for you. Also, we believe in a transformation that through discipleship, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that you don't have to live the way you used to live. And the strongholds on your life, the things that kept you in a broken place can be, can be removed and you can be restored. And through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, your life can be transformed. Not just behavior modification where you're gonna you know, do something for 21 days and then change. No, this is actual change for the rest of your life. He will continue to turn you into his glory as you reflect him. It's really good stuff. This, all, that, all those things should be happening. And the fact is, is that when it does, there's just nothing you can do about it but tell other people about them. Because it's real. And if you don't believe it's real, or maybe, maybe you do like, like theologically, like technically you believe that all of this is real, but if it's not happening, maybe, just maybe, I submit it to you, you, you ask the Lord, maybe you, you, that belief hasn't gotten into you fully yet. Maybe some doubts crept in. Maybe something has, maybe the enemy's been tormenting you about an area of your life. And so now you're like, um, maybe, maybe I shouldn't tell anyone about this. But I want to tell you, I want to remind you that this is a call in your life that's available to every believer. And I want you to know that whether you've been a believer for 40 years or four days, we all go through this. It doesn't stop. It doesn't end. Surrendering your life fully to God. All right. Um, I want to read firstly from Romans 10, 14, and 15. Um, this is a wonderful verse, and uh, we will go from there. Yep, they have it up there, but if you want to read it in your own Bible, uh, that's great, or your app, or whatever you like to use. You, you can write it down and reference it later. Paul says this. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed. And how are they to believe in him of whom they never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? 
as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. The reality is, is that unless we preach, people aren't gonna know. Now, I am not suggesting that you get on a milk carton, do they still have those? Or, or crate and stand at a corner and um, preach uh, at a corner. If you feel like you should do that, go ahead, do it. But that's not my suggestion. But my suggestion is that what, whatever circumstance you find yourself in, whatever um, uh, 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 situational um, uh, place you find yourself in, whether it's with your friends, your coworkers, uh, family members who don't know about Jesus, it's really important that you share the good news about Jesus. And I wanna just submit this to you, is don't judge whether they're gonna receive it or not. Because I, I do that, I, I still have to catch myself. I'm like, I, I remember being with my friend Richie Seltzer who is like an on-street evangelist, you know. If it moves, he preaches to it. And, you know, we were at... I believe it was Denny's, and we were, it was like Denny's or, anyway, it was one of those type of restaurants, and we eat, and we get done, and we're going to pay for the bill, the checkout counter, and I'm a very transactional person. I don't like to interrupt people's day. I'm like, you know, I don't like to create situational awkwardness. I, I like to be just very like, this is how things are done. I eat the meal, I take the bill, I go pay it, I say, how you doing? Great, that's great. I give a tip and, uh, and then I go my way. And so Richie's with me and you know, I do my routine and uh, Richie stops and stands there. Nobody's behind us and he likes to honor the restaurant so he doesn't like to you know, bother people while there's a big line or anything. But on one hand, he, he says, you know, Paul, I have the greatest news that they'll ever hear for the rest of their life What's it matter if I interrupt their day for three minutes? I was like, oh, okay, that's a good point. But anyway, he starts, he starts talking to this person about Jesus. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, this is not going to work. <laughs> like, I just have these prejudgments about how they dress, their facial expressions. You know, they, you know and, and, and here's the thing. I, I, I realize we shouldn't judge facial expressions. Like, some people are just born with a face that... <laughs> that they, it looks like they don't care, you know? But then once you talk to them, you're like, oh, you, you do care. You're like a caring person. Uh, but when you're talking to them, they're like this. Like some, how are you, some are you sitting? Um, uh, sometimes I'm like, they don't like me at all. And then I'll have dinner with them and they're like, I love you. I'm like, really? I should stop judging. But just a side note, it's okay to smile once in a while. It, makes, it does make me feel good while I'm up here. And, uh, and so Richie's uh, talking to them. And, you know, no matter what their face looks like, he still tells them about Jesus. He says, this is one of his opening lines. He says, when's the last time someone told you Jesus loved you? Or has anyone told you Jesus loved you today? And they're like, today? Nope, no one's told me today. He goes, great, I get to be the first. I want you to know that Jesus loves you. And I want you to know that wherever you are in your life, he's with you, that God cares about you, that if you just surrender your heart, he'll come alongside you and get you through any circumstance. And sometimes he'll tell his testimony. He says, you need to learn how to tell your testimony in 30 seconds. And it's okay to do that. You know, the testimony of Jesus prophesies about him. It, what it does is it tells people who hear it that what God did in their life, he can do in, in, in their own life. And so 
as I'm making these judgments, like, Richie, don't waste your time here. This person wants you to stop talking. This person's like rejecting. I could just see it on their face. They're just gonna ask you or smile at you and tell you to go your way or whatever. And then, you know, while I'm done thinking that thought, they're crying. And Richie says, can I hold your hand? And he grabs her hand and he's praying with them. He gives them his phone number and says, hey, call me. I wanna know how you're doing. I wanna plug you into a church close by. Whatever we can do to get you your life right with God again. And I find that so convicting to me because I have this tendency to make a judgment call when I really have no idea what's going on in someone's life. And you don't either. And so what we need to do is just present the gospel. And some of you say, well, I'm not a pastor. I haven't gone through seminary. I haven't gone through training. You know, Jesus uses anybody. You do not need to go through those things. You do not need an ordination to lead someone to Jesus. You tell them your testimony. It's as simple as having them surrender their life to God. And then building a connection. We don't wanna bring babies into the kingdom of heaven and then leave them on the porch. Babies don't survive on porches. Babies need friendship, discipleship, guidance, needs to help in, 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 in what, they've, what, what they've come into. They need, to, they need direction. And so it's really important that we do that. And so I just want you to know that I, I was talking to someone in Brazil you, know, you might think of Brazil and you think, oh, that's a poor country. Actually, I believe they're like fifth or sixth um, wealthiest nations on earth. Um, they, they do have a lot of poverty, but they also have a, a big middle class and they have a very rich class. And uh, I was in this city that was a pretty good socioeconomic city. And I was um, uh, at this fellowship group that, you know, they do church on Sundays, but they also do this fellowship group that's just focused on evangelism and discipleship. Basically, everyone in the group has been saved a year and under. They've just come to Jesus. And I was talking to this real estate agent, and she was telling me how she came to Jesus, and then she said, you know, um, you know who the best evangelists are, by the way? Side note, new believers. They're like, wow, what I experienced, I need to share with everybody. I'm gonna tell all my friends, all my family, all my coworkers. Why? Because they, they, it's, like, it's, like, it's like getting a shower. You're like, this is amazing. You know, it's like everything, you're clean again. You have, you have a new start. You have this, this amazing God who loves you and is living inside you. And you're experiencing redemption and sanctification. And so, of course, they're like, man, I experienced his presence. I can pray to him. I'm getting transformed. I'm going to tell people about him. That's just how it works. And so these groups grow quickly because they're all new believers. Actually, the one rule about a group in this church is, the one rule is you can only invite unbelievers to your group. They start out with three people who are from the church and they just have a group and they pray for a month every week. They just come together once a week and the three couples, if they're couples or couples, if they're single, they're single, but they pray together and they just ask they, about somebody they know, a friend, a family member, or a coworker who doesn't know Jesus and they pray for a month once a week. And then on the fifth week, they invite them to their group. And so this real estate agent, she, she, uh, she was saying, yeah, I actually uh, am in uh, a business relationship with a builder. Um, the builder, I give them a discounted commission. Um, and so what they do is they, they are in a contract where she will bring uh, people to their new buildings and um, she sells them. 
it's a good working relationship. They've been working to, together for a few years. And uh, this, these builders, it's a couple that run the business. And if you've ever been in a business before, running a business, you know, you have big highs and big lows, and it's very emotional, it's very stressful. And she would watch this couple get in arguments and have really tough seasons. And, and, uh, and, and as their business relationship developed, their personal relationships developed. And she finally just says, hey, you know what? You should come over to my group. You should come to my, my group of friends. We would, you know, we process things together. We talk things through. We relate with one another. And um, I mean, it's nothing, it's nothing she's hiding that it's about Jesus. But she said, I invited them one time. They said, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They never showed, which is fine. She goes, then they went through another bad season. I invited them again. They never came. But the third time she invited them, on the third, one of their worst days that they were going through, they came. And then they enjoyed it so much, they came again. And they came again. And they came again. And they came again. And then finally, they said to someone else in the group, not her, is, we want to give our lives to Jesus. And so they just walk them through that. And so this is an amazing thing, is that people don't know unless we encounter them, if we tell them. It's, it's up to us. God could have done it anyway. He could have painted banners on the sky and said, don't worry, Christians, we're just going to tell people, you know, through like airplanes, you know, and it'd just be like, you know, those, those you know, the streams that they make. And, and, you know, I am God and I am here. Or maybe he could just, you know, and, and some things he does that way. He, we call those sovereign revealings. He reveals himself sovereignly to people. He visits people in Muslim nations right in their home. People have never heard the gospel, and they, and they encounter Jesus, and then they go searching on the internet, they connect with the missionary, and they get saved. That happens all the time, because God is God. But the majority of the way he uses uh, people to bring people to Jesus is through us. He chose that. Okay, so it's important that we need to preach. Now, I know um, a famous saying, it says, um, you know, I, I preach the gospel all the time, and I'm paraphrasing I, it's, it's important that we preach the gospel all the time, uh, all the time, and if necessary, use words. And I love that saying, it's wonderful. It just says that our life should represent who Jesus is and what, what it looks like to be redeemed. That's amazing, but we should always use words because that's what the Bible says. To preach, how will they know unless they hear? If they've never heard, then how are they gonna believe in something they've never heard? So we need to, and what's that mean? We need to use our words. And, and it's okay if someone says, hey, I'm not, it's not for me. All right, Acts 2, 42 through 47. Let's go to the next section of scripture. And while you guys are looking that up, I just wanna say, God's on this house. He, I mean, he is really on, the, I feel God moving so powerfully. And we, I have people contacting me uh, like worship leaders that I knew through their worship songs, um, contact, they're, they're foreigners, but they're living in LA, and they're like, we, she, she contacts me through Instagram, says, I have to come to your church. Invite me to your church. I was like, well, that's pretty strong. <laughs> so I'm like, let's do a call with your husband and whatever, and so we do a call, and she, the first thing she says is, I am so sorry, I don't know what came over me, but I just... God told me, you know, like, I just felt like I needed to come. To, I've never done that before in my whole ministry career. And I was like, no, I know what this is. 
This is the Lord setting us up because there's something special about New Mexico and not what he's just doing in our church, what he's gonna do in every church, okay? And so we're, we're, just, we're just getting ready. So Acts 2, 42 through 47, let's read this. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, this is the early church, by the way, and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many signs, excuse me, many wonders and signs were done, being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and all had things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, okay, I'm gonna read that again. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. There's um, a real cool emphasis here on meeting in the temple. This is how Jesus did it. He met in the temple and he met in homes. And so the apostles had taken the model that Jesus had given them and they applied it to the early church where they would continue to meet in temples and then they would meet in their homes. Now, I am all for everyone inviting anyone who they feel wants to come to church, to come to church, saved or not. Uh, I believe that people can get saved in church. It's a wonderful experience. It's happened for generations, millennia. Um, however, it also happens in our homes. And, and I wanna encourage you and empower you to get an understanding that having church in your, like, your, your house is a house that can host the presence of God in addition to experiencing the presence of God here. And it can happen in both places. We can do evangelism on the street, and I love it. I've done it. I will do it. I'm not gonna not do it. Our church does it. John and Jody Schultz have an amazing grace. Daniel Schmier, that whole team for evangelism, they've seen many come to Jesus and just love on people. And we can also... Use our homes as a place where people can encounter the presence of God. And we don't have to wait for them to come to church. We can actually share the gospel by just inviting people to our homes. It's both. Uh, there's a, there's, if, if we were to just you know, do things on Sundays alone, God can use it and work through that. He's sovereign and he does it all the time. But I would like to you know, give you an image of like maybe a bird, right? Say the church is a bird and we're just using one wing and that's gathering together on Sunday mornings. And if we're just using one wing, we gotta flap real hard to, get, to take flight. And if we finally get airborne and we're flapping really hard, the direction we go in is circles. And I wanna give you another image. I believe the church, that bird, can have two wings. Meet on Sundays and experience God's presence together. We will never stop doing that. And then also reaching the lost through personal relationships in our homes. When that happens, not only does the church take off with much less work, 
It can go any direction the Lord leads. What are the main characteristics of this early church? It shows that they were persistent. They kept on and they did not give up. There was everything thrown at them from the Roman uh, uh, government, uh, persecution, the Jewish uh, synagogues, obviously were not a, a big fan of Christians. And so uh, even though they had way worse circumstances than we do today in, in a lot of ways, we, they were very persistent. Um, and what mattered to them? The word of God. Doctrine, Jesus' teachings were core value of theirs. They, what mattered to them? Fellowship. They did not allow gossip or division to get in between. They stayed together. They had solidarity because they were breaking bread together. There's something about eating together that brings solidarity. Breaking bread, taking communion together. And then it says that they sought God's face. They were in prayers. They, they, they daily prayed together. They were, they were um, um, solid in that movement. Uh, in verse 46, when we read verse 46 again, it says, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Now, a lot of us might think, well, you know, uh, it's just not our culture to invite people over to our house. Um, you know, there's different cultures in different places. This worked for them. It's not gonna work for us. And I just say, baloney, thank you. I was struggling for a word there, because this is it. If it's not our culture, but it's in the kingdom of God, then we change our culture. If it, isn't, if it is our culture, and it is in the kingdom, and, they can, co and they, can, they can be together, then that's great. But we don't allow the culture to dictate what God wants and what God did and how God moves. We, 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 don't, bring our, we don't bring the Bible down to our experience. We, we want to continually challenge ourselves to bring our experience up to the word of God. All right. Verse 46, daily. It was a daily thing. They were in communion together daily. When, we, when we're evangelizing and people come to Jesus, it's important that we stay in touch with them. They're our coworkers, they're our friends, they're our family members. So daily, connect with them. See how they're doing. Follow up with them. Pray with them. Talk to them about the word. Um, as pastors, I can't do that with everyone, but guess what? God's empowered our whole body to do it. What is the result? Well, we see in verse seven, it was a church with a strong testimony in society that they reached people every day, and so we can learn some important lessons here. That this does not have to be something that you have to push on people, but it's an invitation for people to actually receive. So um, I, I just want to encourage you, you do not have to fix anyone. You might see someone and you see their life, your coworker, and you're like, man, their life's a mess. And they're just holding it together, they're going to work, they're doing what they need to do, but you're like, man, they need Jesus so bad, but it's just not a, a good idea to, to, to minister them right in that moment, and maybe they're gonna lash out, maybe whatever, but it's so easy to just say, why don't you come over to my house? Now, people don't need to get cleaned before they get saved. It's just not the way Jesus does it. And people will try to trap you if you start talking about Jesus because of today's societal issues and pressures. They're gonna go, well, what do you think about this? 
What do you think about that? Are you accepting of this and that and this? What are they doing? There's a spirit on them that wants to trap you. They want to hold a fence to have a reason to say no. You know what I say? Baloney. <laughs> Baloney. You guys should just preach. I shouldn't even be up here. Italian, baloney. All right. You just say this. God loves you. He loves you. He wants to be in relationship with you. And we're not gonna get caught up in all of that. If you surrender your life to him, you will see everything come together. He sees you. He's with you. He's available for you. He's not forgotten you. If you start talking doctrine and what you think is right societally and, and all those things, and by the way, I'm not lowering my standard, but I just have enough faith to know that if they surrender to God, he brings them into order. Sometimes it's instant, sometimes it's gradually, but it's through fathering and mothering, loving, discipling, and showing them a better way. That's compassion. To love them when you're not sure how it's gonna go down when they receive, accept Christ. Just love on them. It's okay. He's called you to love. So we can ask, what is the church? Well, is it the temple? Is it the homes? Because these are where places uh, that the church had gathered. But it's really not what is the church, it's who is the church. In verse 44, all believers were together. So the church is each one that believes in the Lord Jesus Christ gathering together. The church is gathering of these persons. It could be in a small group. It could be on Sunday mornings. You know, Jesus says, uh, when two or three are gathered together, I am there in the midst of them. Um, uh, so we need to gather together. Um, now, if you want to come to church, to our church every Sunday morning, and you don't want to invite people into your homes, your lives will never change. You'll come to church. You'll experience his presence. You'll worship. But I believe this. Some of the things that maybe is maybe making you a little irritable or maybe you're just not satisfied and you're not content and you don't know why, it's because we've pawned up ourselves too much. Jesus said, and rivers of living water will flow from your bellies. You receive God. You're supposed to give him away. It says freely receive, freely give. And oftentimes what I've done, I'm just speaking for myself, is I've received from the Lord and I just hold it all together. God, I love it, I love it, I love it. Ooh, that's great. I've experienced your love. It's good. And then I tell nobody. And I'm like a damned up pond. And I don't know if you've ever visited a pond before. They get stagnant. Water comes in, doesn't go out. Gets perverse. Algae. My son Giovanni, he wanted to get baptized on, in May. He's 18 years old. He said, Dad, I've never been baptized. I want to get baptized. I just assumed his, he did because he had gone to a different church with his mom. And so I said, yeah, let's get baptized. And we went up to a, a lake that I, I found on, online that was like an hour or so away. And, and we're in our, it's, it's um, 
like October, so it's kind of chilly, and we're, we're, we're the only ones there. We got our, our, our shorts, our bathing suits on, and, and I'm like, all right, son, it's going to be cold, but it'll be worth it. And, and we go over to the, to the pond, and there's this big sign. If you see green and blue algae, do not go in. You will get sick. And so we look at that pond, because I guess they don't treat it um, during those months, and, uh, and we looked at it, and we go, that's green and blue algae. How much faith you have, son? No, just kidding. <laughs> and I said, you know, son, this is so stupid. Let's not do this. Let's get back in the car. I said, I know of a river. It's called the Rio Grande. And as mucky as that river looks sometimes, it's flowing. And I know there's no nothing, no, nothing building up disease in there. Well, hopefully, okay, I don't know all the, <laughs> you scientists in the crowd, I know you know, like, actually, there's a lot of dog stuff in there, and, and uh, just don't do it after a fresh rain, I think, is, is the deal. But, but anyway, back to my point. I believe that if we let that, like myself, break open that dam, and say, you know what? Let me see what happens when I actually give away what I've received. You know what? Because I've done it a few times, and it's the most exhilarating, empowered-filled feeling you will ever feel because you shared the gospel, and you felt the river of God flow through you. And when you feel the river of God flow through you, you're like, man, I'm tasting and seeing. Like, this isn't just... A benefit for them. This is a benefit for me. And all you have to do is invite people in relationship with. You know, it, it made me wonder, like, all right, 120 disciples experience the spirit. You know, speaking in tongues, drunkenness, falling over, and all this amazing things. Peter gets up, preaches the message. 3,000 come to know the Lord. You know how they had to meet? In homes. 120 divided by 3,000 is about 25 per person. Now, you don't have to have a big home like that to do it. But I believe that if you're feeling like, I am just not satisfied right now where I am with the Lord, I think that's great, and I think you need to pray about why that is, but I have a sneaky suspicion it's because we haven't been given away what we're receiving. From whom did we learn this? From Jesus. Jesus led a small group. He taught them in the temple and at homes. In uh, Luke 6, 12 through 13, says that in these days he went out to the mountain to pray. All night he continued to pray in prayer to God. And when, the, and when day came, I almost said when day came, and when day came, he called his disciples and chose from 12 whom he named apostles, which means sent ones. It's like Jesus was praying all night about the mission that God has for him and his disciples and how can he complete this mission to touch the rest of the world and it's like the Father gave him by the Spirit a vision. I'm just assuming because this is the fruit where he goes, hey, let me call my disciples together and pick 12 to send out as apostles because he knew just preaching from the countryside and gathering thousands was not enough. It was a part of it, but it was not enough. He, he, 
he uh, raised a small group. He walked with them. He took care of them. He taught them and he trained them. And they will continue to work with multiple uh, work and will, and will multiply the workers, making it possible to take care of a crowd. In verse 17, it said, Jesus prepared men to continue preaching and teaching his message and continue taking care of the multitudes. And so the early church followed his example. He, they, they discipled people, um, brought people into the kingdom, discipled them, taught them in, in large gatherings and in small homes. I'll just go through a couple um, references. I didn't give these to the back, but you can write them down, look them up yourselves. Acts 5, 42, they were in temples and homes. Acts 20, 20, I did give you that one. It says, how did I not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house? Romans 16, 3, 5, and 10, he, uh, Paul greets the church that was at homes and also its leaders. Colossians 4.15 says he greets the leader and the church, which was a small group that used to gather in Nympha's home. These are all insights to what was going on back then. Philemon 1 and 2, chapter 1, verse 2, it says he greets Archippus and the church that used to gathered, that used to be gathered in his home. Here's some interesting things. The world's largest churches meet in small groups in addition to Sunday morning. The largest in the world. Youngie's Cho's church, and he's passed on now, had one million people in his church. They met in small groups. I went to RCCG in Nigeria, where the, the, the church was a mile long, it was wild, they drove me to the altar because it would have taken me too long to walk. And I'm in this car driving to the altar. They have 5,000 pastors. They have 3 million people in their church. That's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. They actually, the, the city of Lagos said, you please, can you move your church outside the city? Because every time you meet, there's a traffic jam, so they did. But they don't just meet on Sundays. What, how, did they be, how did they get to that number? They evangelized their friends, their coworkers, and their family members by meeting in small homes and them getting saved and discipling and then meeting at the a church on Sundays. Now, I don't think I ever wanna have a church that's a building that that's big, that big. I, that's not the point. I just want us to get, if, if our church grows, I'll just tell you just a personal conviction. I don't want in eternity me to stand before God and he says, what did you do with what I gave you? And I say, I grew my church to 2,000 people because other Christians from other churches came to it. I mean, you think you have a responsibility. I got to answer in eternity for my actions today. So I'd rather say, Lord, I empowered the saints that came to me and were in our community to reach the lost. And there's countless saved because of it. In my, you know, he would know, but I wouldn't. That's what I want to do. 
And that's what I believe you guys wanna do. And that's what I believe God's getting ready for us to do. The signs and wonders, the miracles, they happen in church services and they're so amazing. But you wanna see signs and wonders multiply like crazy? Do it in your home. Have a friend come over, pray over them. They might not even believe. Say, hey man, I wanna pray over you. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to act any way. You can keep your eyes open. I promise I won't steal your wallet. And just pray over them and see how they experience the presence of God. Some of them will start speaking in tongues. You didn't teach them how to speak in tongues yet. You say, hey, how's that possible? It's like in Cornelius' house, right? Now you gotta catch them up. <laughs> hey, Jesus died for your sins. Receive him as your Lord and Savior. Okay, now you're good, okay. God, stop mixing it up. But we're all called, myself included. I'm, my job is not just to empower you, but my job is to make my home a place where I invite the lost to, too, and I will never not do that. It's not right that a pastor preaches a message and doesn't live a message. And so I'm gonna be doing it, too. And there's many ways people can be evangelized. There's many ways that God can use people. And there isn't just one method, one model, but I believe there is a call. And I believe this call is on this house. And one of the things I believe is that the church needs to get out of the great omission and get into the great commission. And the great omission is us not speaking, not saying anything, passing people by that we actually know, that know us, that when we stop and talk to them, they would stop and listen because they know us and we just stay quiet. The order was given, go. Heck, two-thirds of God's name is go. In the English language. The gospel starts with go. This call was demonstrated by Jesus and reproduced by the apostles. And the result was a living, vibrant church that grew every single day. So why don't you stand? Now, as we go towards this call on our house, and as that develops, I don't want anyone to get nervous. You just surrender your life to God. You say, God, let it be your will. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And this is what I also believe is God's given me vision that it's not, that we're gonna do it together. You might not be the one opening your home, but you'll be the one helping lead a home. You'll be one supporting to facilitate the moving of the spirit. These are things that are gonna be shared. The burden shouldn't just be on a few. And when it's shared, it's easy and there's grace for it. God's power will be with you. His grace will be there for you. And just think about all the people. Just think, right, like close your eyes and ask the Holy Spirit to bring to your remembrance every family member that doesn't know Jesus yet, that isn't serving Jesus yet. Think about every friend that you have who doesn't know the Lord. Think about your coworkers that you rub shoulders with almost every day. Just think about them. And now think 
about their life being transformed and the glory of God residing in them and them living for Jesus fully. This is what's possible when we preach with our words and when we share the love of God. My friend in Brazil, he had a church very similar to us. He took over a church of, he, he took over for the founding pastor. His church was 300 persons. And he was praying the same thing. God, I don't wanna just grow a church through transfer growth. I want people to get to know you who don't know you. I want the lost to be saved. And God gave him this vision as well. And he, his church grew over 20 years from 300 to 20,000. When COVID happened, the country of Brazil, every country deal, dealt with it differently. The country of Brazil shut down all the churches and they said the maximum gathering you could have is 10 people. So it's like his church ended up growing several thousand over COVID when the majority of the churches in the world shrank. Why? Because they could meet in groups of 10. And there's so many people. So like you think a disaster strikes and you're like, this is the time for the church. This is the time for the church to, to share what, what's possible through Jesus. And so many of us, you know, it, it's, it kind of like fell through our hands like sand, but he caught that net because God had positioned him to say, we have the answer, it's Jesus, come to our homes. And um, so I know what's possible. This is the kingdom of God. This is the call. So close your eyes, I would love to pray for you guys. Father, I just thank you for this wonderful, amazing church. God, I thank you for your faithfulness, your goodness, your power, your might. God, I thank you that evangelism is a core value. And Father, I thank you that we um, get to be a part of your call. So Lord, I pray for an anointing to come upon each and every one of us to be able to share the good news of the gospel with our friends, our coworkers, our family members, yes, and even strangers, and that they would hear and that the scales would fall from their eyes and faith would build in their hearts and you would draw them by your spirit and by the grace of God, they would be saved. Lord, continue to give us vision for this. Continue to help us catch this vision so that we can get Albuquerque saved. Albuquerque will not get saved through a pastor preaching, but through his people sharing the good news of the gospel. And so I got, God, I thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. God, I just, I, I just thank you for the, I, I thank you, I thank God for you guys. I mean, you really do feel like family to me and there's so many of you have been in your homes and but if you're going through something right now, I would just wanna invite you, uh, our prayer team, prayer ministers, pastors, come forward. We wanna pray with you, we wanna stand with you. And um, other than that, bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next week. I'll be here preaching, and so I'll see you then. And uh, looking forward to chatting with you all. Bye.